All right. Well, we are in our new series, The End of the Beginning. This is our series. It's going to lead into Easter, and it's going to go through Easter and into Jesus' resurrection. We're going to talk about that. And then the next week, we're going to talk about his ascension. These first two weeks, though, we're talking about some stuff that led up to the cross and the resurrection. This week, we're talking about betrayal. And that's a big word, right? Like, you hear betrayal, and it, it evokes a lot of emotions. It evokes a lot of feelings. And it's one that Jesus really, truly faced on his way to the cross. He faced one of his closest friends betraying him. It's heavy when you think about that kind of a word. And sometimes when we face in our lives, like, broken relationships or, or fractured and, and there's messed up interactions with other people. Maybe it's not that intense. Maybe it's not this full, like, betrayal. But it is true that people that we encounter, people that we love, sometimes hurt us. Ever have that happen to you? Yeah? I think so. Ever ask God why? Hey, what, what gives here? I have good news for you today. When we think about this, that this has happened to us, when you think it is the end, God has a new beginning for you. So when we talk today about betrayal and broken relationships and, and broken trust, I want you to know that whenever you encounter those, whenever you think it is the end in these relationships, that God has a new beginning for you. This is our theme for the whole series, right? You probably heard that in the video. There's so many times that we think it's the end. We think it's over. We think the book is closed. And what's really happening is that God has a new beginning for you. And so that's the idea behind this series that everyone thought that Jesus was at his end. That Jesus was just another failed Messiah. Someone who came and claimed to have some kind of connection with God and had something to do with what was going to happen in Israel, that he was going to save Israel, and then Rome killed him. But God was just getting started with Jesus when everyone thought it was the end. And he proved it when Jesus rose from the dead three days later. So I do want to continue to challenge you to invite people Easter Sunday because we're leading up into the greatest day of the year, which is the day that we celebrate that everyone thought it was over, but Jesus proved he was God and rose from the dead. And we're going to start here in Matthew 26 in a passage about a dude named Judas. Judas was one of the 12 original disciples of Jesus. It was Jesus's inner circle, the 12 of his closest friends. And we see that Judas betrays Jesus. And it starts in verse 14, then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you going to give me, or willing to give me, if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So then we skip a little bit, and it says, Jesus has been in praying in a garden, and then we hit this point where it says, then he returned, Jesus returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. 
While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent by the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Judas replied, Do what you came for, friend. The men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. What we want to look at first is what's going on in this passage. What's, what's going on? What's a little bit of background? Maybe you're really familiar with, with the gospel accounts and you're really familiar with the story of Jesus' road to the cross, but maybe you're newer to church and you're not. So I want to make sure that you have a little bit of background about what's going on here. So we have this guy, Judas, who is, again, one of these 12 close friends of Jesus who's been following him and doing ministry with him, and he has decided to betray him. And here's why. Judas was disillusioned with Jesus as Messiah. And as we learn in other parts of Scripture, Judas is also a thief. Judas had been stealing money out of the money purse because he was the treasurer that was meant to go to the poor. These two things together caused Judas to betray Jesus for money. Which really brings up a good question for all of us from this passage, which is what do we expect from a Savior? What do we expect from a Savior? Because you, maybe you've heard the common saying that Jesus saves. Well, from what? What do you expect from someone who is going to save you? What Judas expected was that Jesus would be a king, a military king, who would kick out the occupying forces of Rome and replace them with the leaders of Israel. That is what was typically expected of a, the Jewish Messiah in Israel. And Jesus had been continually redirecting these expectations to say, I'm a different kind of Messiah. I'm not here to save just Israel from Rome's occupation. But what I'm here to do is I'm here to save everyone in the world from their sins. And so that they could have not just a nation can be in right relationship with God, but so that everyone, so that you here today can have right relationship with God. And Jesus is in different ways kind of trying to get through to all these people that, hey, this type of king that I'm going to be, this type of Messiah I'm going to be is very different than what you expect. And Judas doesn't like that. And so Judas is finally fed up and betrays him. Also in this passage, we got to get the idea that Jesus was not surprised about any of this. Jesus knew what was happening, and he willingly embraced his fate. We talked about this some of a few weeks ago. But Jesus has already spoken in the Gospels and said to them, Hey, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be killed. And when you break down this temple in three days, I'm going to build it again. Jesus has laid out expectations. He knows what's going to happen, but the apostles don't really get it. And I think in, in their shoes, we probably wouldn't have either. But Jesus knows what's going on. He knows Judas is going to betray him. And isn't it interesting that when Judas arrives with this crowd to arrest him and kill him, Jesus doesn't run away. Jesus instead embraces his fate. 
And if you look at other parts of, of the Bible, you're going to see that in the garden where Jesus had been praying, he was, he was having some agony, and he was you know, praying to God, if there's any way you could take this from me, do it, but if not, your will be done. But Jesus embraces his fate because he understands that what God is doing is bigger than the pain he's about to face. And in fact, I, it's kind of crazy when Jesus says this, do what you came for. He basically tells Judas, get on with it. Let's go. That was probably crazy. Like we talk about misplaced Messiah expectations because all the apostles, all these early disciples are about to scatter. Jesus is going to get arrested and they're going to just, boom, they're gone. They don't stay with Jesus. They, they flee. And because they could not understand a Messiah that would embrace his own death. The last little thing from this passage we want to get before we get into kind of talking about broken relationships is that Jesus still loved Judas and called him friend. If that doesn't blow you away, you need to think about it a little more. He literally took money, Judas took money, to have Jesus killed. And Jesus looks at him and says, do what you came for, friend. God's love is bigger than you get, than you understand, than you can comprehend. God's love for you is bigger than what you can possibly understand. And in fact, it says in Scripture that while we were still sinners, still enemies of God, that Jesus died for us. And in another part, the most, one of the most famous passages in Scripture, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten Son. And we have to realize that when Jesus spoke those words, and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus included Judas in that statement. His own betrayer, for God so loved him that he sent Jesus. It doesn't mean that Judas didn't face the consequences of his actions. Because he did. But even... As Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus loved him. And that gives us a little bit of context. Because again, when you think it's the end, God has a new beginning for you. And so what we want to look at today is what are God's purposes for us in the midst of our broken relationships? What, what are some things that when we deal with our own broken relationships, when we deal with our own betrayals, when we deal with our own broken trust with people we love, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a, a family member, maybe it's a co-worker, but when those relationships are broken, what is the God doing in us when that happens? Each one of these is a sometimes, so I want to be clear about that. So these are each a sometimes, because different situations, I think God does different things in our lives. But I want to start with this, that sometimes when we have a broken relationship, God wants us to learn how to love the unlovable in new ways. This, is, this goes right into the, the last point from our passage, where Judas is still calls, Jesus still calls Judas friend. Whenever a relationship is broken, we have to remember, as Christians, that Jesus loved us before we loved him. It wasn't a reciprocal thing. 
Jesus doesn't wait for us to love him before he loves us. For God so loved the world. And we need to grow as followers of Jesus, as Christians, little Jesuses, which is pretty much what that means, little Christs, that we have to start learning how to love people before or when they do not love us. Because as, as Scripture teaches in another place, it's easy to love people who love you. But being Christ-like is loving people who do not love us. And I think this starts, especially in, in the context of broken relationships, by starting to get that we are not right as often as we think we are. If you have a broken relationship in your life, and you know that relationship is broken because you are 100% right and they are 100% wrong, better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because you are not as right as you think you are. I guarantee it. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. It might be, there might be a, a skew. There might be a skew. It might be 90% the other person and 10% you. It might be. But often when I talk to people and they're sure that it's 90% the other person and 10% them, and I start asking questions, I'm like, you know, you know, it might, it, might, it might actually tilt the other way. People never like to hear that, by the way. That's okay. Element Church, we believe in telling the truth with grace. And in my experience as a pastor, the most people who are sure that they have done nothing wrong often have. So if we want to learn how to love the unlovable in new ways, I think that starts with a right understanding of ourselves. A right understanding that we are not as right as we think we are. And when we can get that and we realize how much grace that Jesus has given us, we realize the extent of that grace and how broken and sinful we were before Jesus, then suddenly our perspectives start to shift when we deal with other people who need that same grace extended from Jesus and from us. So sometimes when we are in the midst of a broken relationship, Jesus is trying to teach us to love the unlovable in new ways. I love the Apostle Paul in Scripture. He wrote a lot of the letters that you read toward the back, although like Colossians, Philippians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote those. And I love that at one point in the Bible, he calls himself the worst of the sinners. It's a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. Like, God used him in amazing ways. When Paul looked at himself, he's like, I'm the worst. Because Paul has an understanding of who he is in the context of how great and holy Jesus is. Another time, the Apostle Paul is writing about all these different leaders of the early church, the apostles, the superheroes of the early faith. He calls them the scum of the earth. He has a right understanding of who he was. And another part, I'm going to read Romans 12.3 here. It says, But by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Do not think of yourself in the context of your broken relationships more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself 
with sober judgment. Because God may be teaching you how to love people who you previously thought were unlovable. Sometimes. Sometimes, though, God wants us to learn to see his purposes in our moments of pain. This one's just as fun. We talked earlier, Jesus wasn't looking forward to his death. You see that in the, in, in the passages in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he did, however, know that God's plan was better than avoiding the pain of the cross. Because Jesus had to pay a price for you. We talk about how God loved the world and how God wants relationship with us. Well, that relationship with God came at the price of Jesus' blood on the cross. And this is often true for you and me when we have brokenness in our relationships. Sometimes when we have a broken relationship, God's plan is bigger than what we understand. Because can I be honest with you? Pain can teach you a lot. Pain is also a harsh, harsh teacher. But an effective one if we learn to listen and hear what our pain is teaching us. And I believe often in moments of pain, in moments where relationships are broken and it hurts, that God is teaching you something so that he can position you to live your life on his mission. Because we exist for Jesus' mission. And today's pain may be tomorrow's opportunity for you to love someone who is facing that same pain you faced. I know how you feel. Isn't that an impactful thing sometimes to hear from someone, especially when you know it's true? When you're facing that sort of, whatever pain is, it might be broken relationships, it might be something else. But when you're facing that dark moment and that person can be like, I know how you feel. I've heard that a few times in the last two weeks. And sometimes, you know, it's if I if someone I'm like, mm, I don't think you do. <laughs> sometimes, uh, one of my former bosses called me. He used to be the presbyter of our particular section of our denomination. He called me, and we were chatting about a couple of things, and he's like, "Yeah, I know how you feel." And you know, my mom died six months ago, and. We started talking about the emotions that we both have had. A little bit different situations. His mom was 95, mine was 64, but we talk about how that feels. And we talk about the little things that come up that make you think about it. And that was a really, really impactful for me. I know what you feel. Because for him six months ago, his pain in that moment was later an opportunity for him to minister and to speak life into me. Sometimes God wants us to learn to see his purposes in the moment of our pain. The problem with most of us, what we do is we take our pain and we live in it. We make a house out of it. 
We say, here's my pain, here's these broken relationships, here's my grief, and I'm just going to pull up a nice little chair, and I'm going to sit here. And I'm going to wallow in it, and I'm going to use it as a warm blanket. When God wants us to get up, he wants us to deal with it, he wants us to walk forward and say, God, I've faced this pain. I've passed through this pain by your grace. And now you want to use this pain in my life as I grow in it. And I want you to use it so that I can love people better and I can be more engaged in the mission of Jesus because I have faced this and I have passed through by the grace of Jesus. That is what God wants to do with it. He wants us to learn to see his purposes in our moments of pain. Because Jesus knows how you feel. I love this verse in Hebrews 4.15. This is where we do not, it's talking about Jesus here, but we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus encountered in his life the pain of broken relationships. He also encountered almost every other kind of pain you can think of. But he did not sin. And so our high priest, our Jesus, our Savior, our God knows how you feel so that you can also know how someone else feels and love them. This is our last sometimes. Sometimes God wants to do a miracle and repair a relationship by grace that we thought couldn't be fixed. And this is wonderful when it happens. It doesn't always happen. I want you to get each one of these as a sometimes. Because if you try to take any one of these and say, this is God's promise for me, and this is exactly what's going to happen, it may not. Each one of these is a sometimes. God has different purposes and different moments of pain in our life, and our job is to prayerfully listen to the Holy Spirit on what that purpose is for our particular pain and broken relationship. Because I want you to know that that broken relationship with Judas did not get fixed. Judas instead chose to spare and he killed himself. He never reconciled with Jesus. But in this same little section of scripture, another person broke relationship with Jesus, a guy named Peter. Peter was kind of a big mouth, one of the apostles. He always just said whatever came to his thoughts like right out. And he had just told Jesus a little bit before, hey, Jesus, I'm never going to betray you. And then right after Jesus was arrested, he denies him three times. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. And Peter does the opposite. After Jesus was risen from the dead, he goes to Jesus and he asks for forgiveness. And Jesus offers it freely. Jesus does by a miracle and restores that relationship, which Peter may have thought was unfixable. Peter chose grace. And because Peter chose grace in the relationship with Jesus, and he said, I'm going I'm to come to Jesus and I'm going to await his grace, he became one of, the mo one of the most significant leaders of the early church and later would die on a cross upside down for Jesus. Each of these is a sometimes. But in this case, it is beautiful and I really believe we see this in the church. When people are running to the grace of Jesus, when they're saying, 
Jesus, in all these situations, we need your grace. And we do this with our broken relationships too. I do believe that Jesus can restore a broken family. I do believe that Jesus can restore a friendship. I do believe that Jesus can, can put those ties back together. Jesus can restore a marriage if we're willing to pray and, and ask for his grace and see if that's his will. Sometimes. It's not always. I wish it was. But sometimes we miss the miracle because we're not even willing to ask for it. Or we're not willing to pray about it. Or we think that the relationship is so broken that God can't do anything about it. And does that seem silly when I say it out loud? Sometimes God wants to do a miracle and restore a relationship. Sometimes God wants you to learn the purpose in your pain. I love this. We're supposed to be in the context of, of broken relationships, that we need to be people. When we look at all three of these points, Jesus told us to be people who are peacemakers. In, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Whatever betrayal you've faced, or you've faced, every betrayal you've faced, Jesus knows how you feel. And when you think it is the end, God has a new beginning for you. Would you pray with me?